I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. So I know this married couple. I'm Jen Enniger. And I'm Bill Enninger. And what's they work together during the week at a other. farmer's market outside of Pittsburgh near where they live. The strawberry one. Is it going to be a couple minutes? Uh, probably about two. Two more two minutes. Okay. Yep. Their job is hard. They're relatively new business owners, and they're always pitch-decking their concept to customers, constantly hustling to make a sale. There you go. Enjoy. Thank you. They're both very hot. Just came up the grill. They don't sell heirloom tomatoes at these markets, though. No organic meat or eggs. We'll get back to their menu later. The thing I'm most interested in, really, is how they arrived at this farmer's market together and how they're living out their dream. We're grilling some some dough here at the end of the day. It's not super complex. Actually, working with your spouse in a business you own with them Quite complex from my vantage point as an advice columnist, and quite a change from their old lives. Change is something I've spent a lot of time thinking about lately. How we make good change happen. Self-help people talk about manifesting, putting energy out into the universe. Bill and Jen might be the perfect example of this, because they didn't always work together. They had their own careers, both in advertising, but they dreamed of something more romantic. Then the pandemic hit. Then the big quit. People looked at their lives and said, wait, do I really want to do this job? Does it make me happy? For Bill and Jen, like so many people, everything was on the table. And so they took a leap of faith into the unknown as a couple. From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Hey everyone, welcome to season seven. I am so thrilled to be back with you. All this season, we're going to be looking at big changes, 180s, stories about people whose lives took a sharp turn, for better or worse, sometimes both. The thing to know about me, your host, as we start down this journey of change, is that I hate it. Change, I mean. I am that kind of person who gets an unsettling feeling deep in my soul when I have to change dry cleaners. I love chain restaurants because I know they will look the same in every city. I know, I'm sorry. Sometimes change winds up being great, but I prefer to experience it vicariously through other people's changes. Actually, one of my favorite rainy day Sunday afternoon movies is Under the Tuscan Sun, starring Diane Lane. It's about this woman who learns her husband is cheating, and she basically upends her life and moves to Italy. I would never do that, but it's fun to watch. 
Anyway, that movie recommendation is relevant to our first story of the season. I'm going to tell you about my friend Bill and his wife Jen, who did that thing people like Diane Lane do in the movies. They turn their lives upside down for passion and adventure and pastry. Let's start with Bill. Bill is a friend from college. I've always known him to be sweet, very smart, spiritual. After graduation, we were both focused on building our careers. I was in Boston doing journalism. He was in New York City working for fancy advertising firms. In the decade after college, people coupled up, got engaged. Bill was married to his job. I mean, he dated, but it wasn't really a priority. Then, when he's 32, Bill gets invited to a wedding in Pennsylvania. Behind the scenes, there's some big scheming going on about a possible setup with a woman named Jen. At the wedding, they seated us next to each other. I found that to be incredibly awkward. Like, it was cool that, that I was getting set up with somebody, but, like, it was sort of weird that I was getting set up and sitting right next to her and would have to engage right away, which I usually have to work up to. So I, so I actually switched the place setting. Bill relocates to the other side of the table. That gives him time and space to scope Jen out. By the time the after party rolls around, Bill's had a few drinks. It's a little easier to socialize. He and Jen start talking. And were you like, oh, this could be a possibility? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> Why? Because uh, he lived in New York and I lived in DC and I never, ever, ever, ever thought long distance would be a thing or moving to New York would ever be something I would ever consider. And so I was just like, oh yeah, this guy's fun and nice, but like, bye. But they exchange numbers. And despite the distance, they actually make plans to see each other. Bill travels from New York City to Washington, D.C., where Jen lives, the very next weekend. And that was just just for her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I went, we, I went, I stayed with her at her place and we hung out. I think it went well because she came to New York the next weekend. After these two intense weekends, Bill and Jen are now in a long-distance relationship. And it gets pretty serious. At about 10 months in, it's time to make some decisions. Jen knows she wants to leave D.C., no matter what. She and Bill are also ready to close their distance gap, even just a little. So Jen takes a job in Philly and moves there. They're now two hours apart, instead of four or more. And if you've ridden the Chinatown bus, you know that is a big difference. They do New York to Philly for two years, which is great. But then they reach a key moment in their relationship. Are we going to stay together and get married, or are we going to break up? But there's really no way to know that living long distance. So I finally agreed that I would move to New York with the company that I was with, keep my job, and just change offices. And I told Bill I would give New York one year. Like, I will live in New York for one year. Either we will break up or we will get married after that one year. Jen moves to New York in June of 2013. Things go well for them. So well, in fact, that they don't need a full year to make a call. Bill decides to propose that next January. 
he comes up with a whole plan. He'll get Jen to come over to his place. He'll propose, and then he'll take her to this big country music show. But of course it doesn't go quite as planned. The night Bill asks Jen to come over, she keeps stalling. She's plenty comfortable at her place, binge-watching The West Wing. Thank you very much. It is Bill's own fault. He'd gotten her into the show. I kept coming up with, like, weirder and weirder random reasons that she needed to, like, stop watching the show that I had convinced her to watch and, like, come over immediately. I have to ask it, what part of the West Wing were you at that you didn't want to stop watching? <laughs> I don't even, I don't even remember. But it was like, I remember it was like a really gross New York winter day where it was like slushy and wet and cold. And yeah, you're like, like, I'm with Aaron Sorkin now. Yeah, and I, I was don't like need doing you. laundry and just like, you know, in sweatpants, like not in a hurry to do anything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he was like, come on over. I was like, no, like, I'm, I'll be there. I'll get there when I get there. He's like, no, I'll get an Uber. I'm like, I'm not getting an Uber. It's a 10 minute walk. I'll be there when I get there. Finally, Jen arrives at Bill's apartment and he does the thing. He proposes. She says yes. They celebrate at the Luke Bryan and Lee Bryce show at Madison Square Garden. Jen is originally from Pittsburgh. Their wedding in 2014 is at Pine Run United Methodist Church. They have their reception at Heinz Field, which is kind of epic. I was at the wedding, by the way. I just remember a lot of black and yellow, this being Pittsburgh Steelers country. So the marriage thing is settled, but literally everything else is up in the air. Jen, who's 28 at this point, does not want to be in New York anymore. Bill, who's 36, is done with the city too. Bill is actually starting to change his whole philosophy about his career. He's been working crazy hours for more than a decade, and he realizes it's not bringing him happiness or great wealth. I was in a spot generally at that time where I had just sort of let work own and and dominate everything. I was working all the time and, and probably unhealthy. In fact, Bill's obsession with work had almost been a deal breaker when he and Jen were still long distance, when she was living in Philly and he was in New York. It was her weekend to visit, And they were supposed to see a movie Saturday night. Bill said he had to go to the office for a few hours before. And like text after text, which is getting ignored, getting ignored. And he's like, oh, well, I'm not going to be home until 630. So just, you know, try to get something else to eat. And then maybe we can still make the movie. And I'm like, okay. And then it's about the time that we should be getting ready to go to the movie. And I don't know where Bill is. I don't know what's going on. And I was just like so fed up with getting ignored for work because it had been sort of an ongoing thing for most of our, the beginning of our relationship, that I was just like, you know what, if he wants to do work, then let him do work. I'm going back to Philly. So I got on a train and went back to Philly that night. And Bill, what happened when you realized she'd gotten on a train? I pretty quickly put pencils down and got the next train out to Philly. This was a big moment when they were dating. It clarified how both of them took pride in their work, but one of them, Jen, was much better at stepping away and tending to herself and the people in her life. Bill had a lot to learn. The main reason I work is to pay for my travel habit. I love client service, which is what I've done my career. I've never been work obsessed. I am super type A, so I work really hard, but I don't live 
to work. I work to live. Bill had the opposite. He was living to work. So after the wedding, a lot of changes come at once. Bill is freelancing and looking for jobs in Philly, thinking they'd wind up there. Then, just at the right moment, Jen learns that her company has a job open in London. She expresses interest, and she gets it. Bill and Jen moved to London in March of 2015, a little more than six months after getting married. It's the best kind of reset. Jumping off the cliff and holding hands, sort of, and figuring it out as we go. And going there meant that we could literally travel every weekend for no money because it's incredibly cheap in in Europe to travel around. We, We both are sort of very much like, if there's a big hairy challenge in front of us. We're just like, hey, let's, okay, we're, we're in it. We're literally in it, and we're going to figure it out. They're in London for two years, but they know they can't be there forever. They want to be closer to family, at least for a bit. Their plan is to move back to Pittsburgh, which is exactly what they do in 2017. They get an apartment. Eventually, they're both back working in advertising. They have a baby boy, Finn, who is adorable. They do cubicle office life for three years. Then the pandemic begins. And it's still life at a desk, but at home. That's when Bill and Jen both start to feel that itch, that need to pursue a dream, to be Diane Lane in the rom-com, to pick up and try something wild. They take a sharp left turn, but it's a sweet one. I'll explain when we come back. Okay, we're back. So in Pittsburgh, life for Bill and Jen is very normal. It was nice to be to be back in Pittsburgh and you know, try to get reconnected. But it was a, a little weird because I left and nobody else did. And it felt like everybody got closer and their relationships grew and matured while I came back and then kind of inserted myself into these relationships that had existed without me for 10 years. Bill and Jen both feel fine about the jobs they've landed. But one thing about them I haven't told you. They've long been the kind of couple who harbored business fantasies. You know these people. They're the ones who threaten to, like, quit their jobs and open a small Vermont inn. The farm-to-table fantasy. That was Bill and Jen. They had long been socking away money just for this purpose. Could we buy a place in Lake Como or buy a place in Greece and, like, turn it into this cool destination bed and breakfast thing. So, yeah, it's always been a thing, even before we got married, that we might want to do something that wasn't 9 to 5-ish. There are old, discarded website URLs littering the past sort of 10 years. I remember pickles, pastries, and pork, right? That was one. I thought that I was going to turn pork rinds into the next big thing. I should say here that Bill and Jen aren't exactly loaded. 
I mean, they do fine, but they don't have some big inheritance or family wealth. There is no seed money here, you might say. Buying a place in Lake Como in Italy, where George and Amal Clooney live, is like maybe not a great idea when you're making Pittsburgh salaries and have a new baby. Similarly, putting all your money into pickles and pork rinds also seems pretty risky. Lots of vegetarians out there. The idea they settle on instead is something fresh, something sweet, something doughy, something I'd literally never heard of. They decide to make and sell chimney cakes. What's a chimney cake? Well, it's a dessert pastry that Bill and Jen had discovered toward the end of their London stay on a quick anniversary trip around Europe. We started in Munich and went to Oktoberfest, and then we went to Prague, Vienna, and Budapest. While we were there in Prague, in like the main touristy area, we found these things that were called chimney cakes. People were making them like on the street over coals. And they had these like long wooden spindles that they wrap dough around and they cover it in cinnamon and sugar, which is amazing. You can get get it filled with Nutella. Some of the people were making them like cone-shaped and putting ice cream in them. You could put nuts on them. Like I keep picturing a churro, a cannoli, like all a hybrid of all of these different kinds of things. It's like a donut slash soft pretzel slash churro concoction in the touristy area. Like, you know, the street vendors were selling them. And then we saw this like festival and we find out that it's a chimney cake festival. It was like, ah, so, you know, that was sort of the beginning of the love affair with chimney cakes. From the time they left Europe and resettled in Pittsburgh, they'd never stopped thinking about those chimney cakes. Then the pandemic hits, and it just feels like the right time to go for it, to start their own chimney cake business back here in the U.S. In March of 2021, which I guess was like a year-ish into COVID, I hit a point where I was just like, I'm done. I was sort of really just checked out. One day, put together a proposal to Jen that basically said, here's what we should do. Now, this proposal is no casual chat. Bill has seen a lot of advertising presentations in his day. He knows what a good pitch looks like. I wrote this incredibly deep treatise on three and a half inch yellow post-it in Sharpie. Post-its are my love language way of communication. Bill uses these post-its like a PowerPoint. I dated it. 3-4-21, what we should do. Uh, I even numbered the pages here. One, we're in bad relationships with work. Two, we're not doing the things we get energy from. Three, if we wait for the answer to magically appear, we could be in stasis forever. Four, we've worked hard to put ourselves in a position to try to create our own destiny. Jen, what was your response to this? Let's do it. (laughs) And that was March of 2021. And then it was in October that I quit. And then in November, she quit. (laughs) 
Their initial idea is to start a chimney cake food truck together. Fun, right? Well, turns out food trucks are expensive and difficult to permit and run. So they decide to start with a food stand. But there are still a million logistics to figure out. They get the cake-making equipment from a woman in Slovenia. They use savings to buy it. But they still need a truck for equipment. Do they buy, rent? How much are they willing to risk on something they don't even know if they'll like doing? They decide to go the cheapest route to start. Rent a van, take the cakes to local events and outdoor markets. In October of 2021, Bill texts me a picture of his two-and-a-half-year-old sitting at a desk. With it, there's the following message. I quit my job and we bought equipment to start up a food stand selling Eastern European pastries. Talk soon. My immediate thought is, wow, people are doing some absolutely bonkers shit because of COVID. I'd always assumed that Bill would become a big advertising exec someday. I had clearly underestimated the faith that Bill and Jen have in each other and in their ability to make their shared dreams come true. They named their new business Chimney Cakery. They described their philosophy like this. Small risks, small growth, always put each other and happiness first. We approached it like, you know, what are we trying to get out of this and what do we want to do? So we kind of agreed to do a phased approach where this first phase was, let's see if we like doing this, if we make money, if other people like it, if it does in fact bring us joy. Their first real gig arrives the last week of April 2022. They rent a van, bring the big grill out. It's like the size of a very big barbecue grill. And they make chimney cakes for free for Jen's former office mates. They figure they'll get honest reviews and have a safe place to work out the kinks. It's a good first outing. The chimney cakes are a hit. A few days later, they have their first real sales opportunity at a farmer's market. It goes less well. That day started off rather auspiciously because literally as we were loading the grill onto the van, a wheel literally came off of the grill. It didn't just like fall off and stop. It rolled down the driveway into the street and like into a neighbor's yard. The first day that we were meant to sell these things, the wheels came, like the wheels came off, right? And so we're like, this is great. This is a really good sign. And then the market we went to went well. People were interested and we sold it a fair amount. But that market runs from three to seven. At six o'clock, a tornado warning hit. And like, it's our first day. And I, I'm like running to the to the woman who is organizing the thing. And I'm and like, you're not, you're, the deal is like, these things say rain or shine, like it's a big deal. And like, and I run over and I'm like, uh, it looks really bad and it's gonna be a tornado. Can we, can we go? And she's like, yes, go. Like it's, everybody's packing up, like get out of here. The two vendors on either side of us were super nice and helped us literally like just collapse everything and chuck it in the van. For the last five minutes that we were doing that, the skies opened up and it was, it was like torrential. It was terrible. There were big barrel trash cans just like roll, like, like, like rolling around like tumbleweeds. We pulled into our driveway and I'm dripping wet head to toe. And I get, and I get out of the van and I was like, 
I quit my well-paying desk job to do this? But, you know, we kind of laughed about it and, and it was, you know, we figured trial by fire. We survived that. Anything can, can come at us now and we'll go with it. Not only is this a practical change, a new career with real risks, there's also the emotional piece of this. In this venture, Bill and Jen have signed up to work together, partners in all things, all day long. You would think that it would be harder, but because we'd spent so much time together during COVID, it made it a lot easier because we were used to being together almost 24 hours a day. We are very good at like knowing our own strengths and we very much complement each other in that like I'm the outgoing extrovert. I'm going to find the markets and connect with all the marketing people and do all that stuff. And Billy's really good at all the behind the scenes operation introvert kind of things. So we've divide and conquer and that's worked really well. Bill and Jen now take their chimney cakery stand to multiple farmers markets in the Pittsburgh area. They've sold them at a local brewery. Sometimes they have family help. They're thinking about where else they'd like to live and whether the chimney cakes should come with them. They're learning lots of lessons as they figure out if there's a future in this. They're trying to stay honest about all of that. So far, Jen, are you enjoying it? Oh, uh, yes and no. I love the, I love seeing people eating them and hearing how great they are and how much they love it and, you know, all of that stuff. The schlep of it, you know, the loading in and loading out and, you know, making the dough and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Like, if we were two years in and we had our kitchen and our truck and, like, if it was a smoother, faster process, the less enjoyable parts would be minimized, but because of the way we had decided to approach it. And we knew this going in, but after doing it, like every other day, like in and out, and it's like, you know, that has already been a bit exhausting. Do you feel like doing this has made you like just happier people in general, happier parents? Jen, can you speak to that about how this has sort of changed how you think about your lives? Definitely happier than we were. This is a different you know, very much a different type of thing. And there's some anxiety with it, like making sure we have things that people want to eat and that we're following all the proper health codes and, you know, make, making sure that we're making safe food for people to enjoy. But, you know, you don't wake up panicking that you forgot to send an email. And then you're like, none of that stuff mattered, right? You know, what matters is the time that we get to spend with Finn and the time that we're spending together and doing something that makes us happy. Even on the days when we don't sell that many chimney cakes or it's hot or whatever, like it's still better than being anxious and overwhelmed all the time with corporate bullshit. Listen, this kind of 180 isn't for everyone, but that's what I want to explore this season. How we cope with the kind of change we choose and the kind of change that chooses us. How we evolve personally in our relationships when those big changes come. Bill and Jen wanted to leave their desks, start a business, and take a risk that could bring them joy. Will it work long-term? I don't know. They don't know either. What they are sure about is that this is giving them the chance to see the best in each other. Jen says that 
without Bill being Bill, making the plans, doing the QuickBooks, getting the equipment, finding ingredients, she wouldn't get to do what she does best. I show up and I'm like, hey, do you want to buy some chimney cakes? And people are like, sure, what's a chimney cake? But, you know, all of the stuff that goes into that moment, Bill has sort of made sure was was able to happen. Bill, is there anything that has surprised you about watching Jen do this with you? Like, what have you learned about her? I guess I've been able to see the Jen that I've always known. I've gotten to see her attack this thing and put her own spin on it and sort of make it her own. Nothing's been surprising. It's just been sort of, that's the Jen I know. And she hasn't always, through her desk job, had the opportunity to do some of that stuff. Bill and Jen did create a special cake for their son. It's called Finn's Favorite. It's a chimney cake covered in rainbow sprinkles and filled with Nutella. I told them I had an idea for a cake too. You know, should they ever need it. What if I drive my cotton candy machine to Pittsburgh and I make the cotton candy and you stick it in the chimney cake? Sold. What would we call it? The Meredith Special. Perfect. I don't know. That's I'm, that's narcissism. I'm sorry. Cotton cake. Cakey cotton? No. <laughs> we'll, we'll, See, I, I got to spend some time on it. We'll that. workshop it. Get, get your post-its out. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Amy Padula, Caitlin Harrop, and Scott Hellman. Field recording by Reed Frazier. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith does our audience engagement. Love Letters illustrations by Ashanti Davis. Check them out on the Love Letters Instagram. Special thanks to Brian McGrory and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. And you can always send us a letter. We are an advice column to loveletters at boston.com. And if you like the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. We're online at loveletters.show. Dude, Brett survives entirely on these high-end pork rinds. They are, (laughs) whatever company makes them is making bank. They're good for you. Do you know why? Why? Zero carbs. Yeah. Well, 100% fat. Yeah, and 100% fat. They're the keto lover's dream. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.